Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. This is uh, Travis, your host, and today joining me again is Brent and Jacob. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, we're here. We're here. <laughs> Sorry. I, I had some uh, some brain fog for a moment. So It's okay. It is a rainy, foggy day here in Appalachia that we're recording this, so yeah. it goes with it. Uh, everybody's going to take a nap after this, right? A little siesta, maybe. maybe. You know what? I don't see why everybody's so upset with... Uh, all the immigrants coming in from Mexico. I think the idea of a siesta is a great idea. Why are we not implementing this immediately? Right? Hey, I agree. I, I love the idea. <laughs> all right. Today we're going to deal with core <laughs> beliefs in a congregation. We're at good, the core. Good segue, right? Yeah, good segue. Siestas and core beliefs yeah. together. Uh, so we dealt with the more shallow already. We've gone a little deeper in the flesh of the apple. Today we're going to deal with the core, core belief. And let's just, let's just start with what is a core belief. Uh, we're going to borrow again from Malfers on this, and here's what he says. He defines a belief of a church, core belief, as a conviction or opinion that a person holds to be true about the church and its world as based on limited proof. Based on limited proof. Uh, there'll be a lot of evidence to support the belief, but it is going to be limited evidence. Guys, what do you think about this definition, and does it bother you that he says a core belief is based on limited proof? He goes even goes on to say here, a belief will not stand up to the scientific method. It can't do it because the because the support for it is so limited. Hmm. The idea of of a conviction or opinion uh, being deeply held by people I, when it comes to a belief, that's that's that is the root of it right there. A lot of times, any belief anyone has, whether that's uh, biblical or, or worldly, is some deeply held conviction, right? And it drives them for everything they do. Or it's some opinion they have heard, whether true, untrue, and they just run with it, and it just keeps them going. And so, I agree with that. It's unsettling, the idea of, of limited limited information that, that we hold our beliefs on sometimes. Uh, because there's a lot, a lot of things out there, right? Uh, I guess a lot of fake news, right? That people believe and uh, hold to, and that, that's where they keep their, their deeply held convictions from. Sorry, there's a flash yeah. of lightning. I don't know where. Did you see that? A flash of light outside? Yeah. I think the rapture may have just happened. We've been left behind. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we'll talk about core beliefs here while we do it. Uh, so, Brett, does it bother you or unsettle you to think that Within the church you pastor, there are people that are holding uh, convictions or opinions that are based on limited proof. Yeah, absolutely. I think in my experience, too, it's just it's it's our core beliefs more often times than not are just what has been passed down to us. All the evidence we need is that's what mommy and daddy believed or grandma and grandpa believed, and uh, and it is it's it's concerning because when you try when you try to teach away. <laughs> the, the 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 core beliefs that they are if they happen to be false and based on limited proof. A lot of times, people then see that as an attack on uh, whoever passed that core belief down to them. But it's it's incredibly concerning because uh, you know what what 
if you, if your core beliefs are on limited evidence, then uh, you start questioning things. Yeah, I think we we met once with. I think this was in a learning cohort to go back to what you were saying. Um, and somebody shared with me that there was a church member who made a statement to him that we didn't need to do the Great Commission because they believed their opinion was dot 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 that it had somehow been fulfilled in the time of the disciples. Right? Do you remember that, Brent? I think you were with me. Jacob, were you with me? Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. not going to mention who it was and what church, but I, I remember because it was they felt that uh, the disciples had accomplished the Great Commission, and so for us it was the idea of we're in a different dispensation, so it's kind of a deeply held view from dispensationalism, but, but way beyond anything, you know, I think uh, those guys were, were originally intending, but uh, but it was like, we, we only need to focus on, on doctrine and, and purification of the church that Paul talks about, and not on evangelism. And it was, you know, it, and, and the way that pastor talked about it is it didn't matter how many times he had preached on the Great Commission or talked about the need for that value, um, or even the fact that it's one of Christ's last commands, right. which holds a lot of value until he returns. The last um, instructions. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, it didn't matter. No matter uh, how many times he had talked about it, but it was because it was that deeply held belief and conviction that person had. So, Brent, you have anything to add to that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. Nothing about you. Nothing about you. <laughs> okay. Don't want dead air, do we? Is there really ever anything of value sometimes? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking if the rapture happened a moment just a little bit ago, then that took away probably half of our listeners. Yeah, there we go. So <laughs> I don't know, though. We might see an uptick if, yeah. if we've been left behind. Let's see. See if Tim, Tim A was right. Uh, I'm pulling for him, though. I hope he's right. You know what I mean? It's, it's a get-out-of-torment-free get card if he's right. I, I'm pulling for him. All right. So if we're to compare these two things, like the definition of a, a belief versus the definition of a value, here, let's just be clear so we know the difference. Uh, a belief, then, is going to be a conviction or an opinion of the existence of tr or truth of something not subject to rational proof, whereas a value is a belief that guides and drives an individual organization to act on a belief or an assumption. So there's the difference there at a fundamental level. In number, organizations were going to have many beliefs, but they're going to have more limited values, right? Mm. Uh, we only talked about, what, a handful of values in the last episode. We're going to get into some questions about better understanding beliefs, just a minute, and there are a number of them. Then the issue of change, like when you talk about trying to reshape core values in a church or reshaping how people's opinions and thoughts and beliefs at a core level, uh, you know, how do you do that and how does it happen? And then, again, in a belief, you're dealing with convictions, you're dealing with assumptions, and, and Malfoy's uses the term church view, which is, many of our listeners may be familiar with a worldview, and what is a worldview real quick? Like, worldview is basically core beliefs that everybody has. What, what is a worldview? Uh, Brent, tell us what a worldview is. I don't know, I mean, Tim, I guess to put it, Simply, it's the it's the way you view the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. We're we're done. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> no, um, it was the way that you. Uh, I would say it's a, it's the way that you understand maybe um, maybe morals, the way even the way things came to be, and the way 
of the direction that things are going. Uh, it's what's important to you. Yeah, I, w- I would say kind of hitting on Brent, it's, it's all those different things that shape the way you live, the way you act, the way you believe, right? It's all those factors, whatever it may be. It may be uh, family. It may be, uh, uh, it may be deeply held religious belief. It may be uh, things you've read, right? It's, it's all these factors or voices that, that, that affect the way you live and act and everything you do. And so just kind of hitting on that idea of belief and values, the, the things that a church values, right? Doctrine or fellowship or, or, or soul winning, you know, those are, are all rooted in, in, a, in, in a belief that the church has, that deep conviction, that deep opinion. And sometimes there are some deep convictions and opinions that a church may have or an individual may have that leads to a value in their life that, that isn't in line with Scripture. And I think this is where we get to the hard thing of trying to reshape the values of the church is that uh, you're not just trying to change a, a behavior, you're trying to change a belief. Yeah. And so you're trying to point back to Scripture and what Scripture speaks to you on these issues and, and, and that if Scripture says gives us this command, and this is the implications of that, our life and our values. So we can take that then. So a person can have multiple answers and questions at a core level. And in a similar fashion, in the church, you know, you have basically a church view. So you're you're going to be at a core level. Here's, here's where your beliefs are. You know, if, if you're asking in a worldview, you know, what is really real? What is the nature of the world around us? What is a human being? What happens to a person at death? Why is it possible to know anything at all? How do we know what is right, what is wrong? What is the meaning of human history? All kind of philosophical questions are what, and everybody has answers to that, whether they've actually articulated them, but they're functioning under some sort of life and values based on these core beliefs to these questions, answering big questions. Uh, in, a, in the church world, people have a church view. And they're asking questions like, what is the church for? Uh, you know, some people may answer that question and say, well, church is basically a bunch of white guys that got together and decided to make an organization. You know what I mean? That's the church. Uh, you know, if that's the core belief that they have, then, you know, that has implications. Uh, not going to be a lot of value there. You know, how does the church determine truth? is another, you know, core value, you know, the answer to that is a core value people have. What's the nature of the church, right? You know, what is the purpose of the church? What's the mission of the church? You know, what should the church be doing? Yeah. Uh, what what are the church's theological beliefs? You know, what's the church's doctrine or traditions? What's the church believe about the Trinity? What's it believe about Christ? What's it believe about salvation? What's the church's polity? Like, what do they think a, a polity should be? Polity, for those of you who've never heard that term, it just means how a church governs itself. Uh, what's the nature and role of a pastor, right? And we've talked about this some, uh, but, you know, is he a leader? Is he like a dad? Is he a chaplain? You know, what is he? What What is the nature and role of the congregation? What's the role of women in the church? That's a big one, right? Maybe we should do a whole episode about that one. Uh, what does the church, how does the church view time or space or technology? Uh, you know, I I have a, a wide spectrum of members at Grace, multi-generational. And we had a morning, I don't know if you remember this or not, it was not too long ago, the internet went down in Carter County. Like it was down Sunday morning, so we couldn't live stream. My sermon notes weren't on there, my 
sermon text was not in there. Like we couldn't access anything. You yeah, know, we used Proclaim. And I was frantically trying to figure out a way around it, you know, before the service started. Somebody walked up to me and basically said, you know, well, we just put too much trust in technology. You know, we, we put too much dependence and trust on technology. Well, that person at a very core level believes and does not trust technology. And, of course, I wanted to kind of turn around and respond and say, well, did you come to church this morning in a horse and buggy? But I didn't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was a temptation. They could have. Um. Uh, you know, there is some level of technology that you trust. You just want it to be backdated to a certain date. You know what I mean? So, And then how, how does the church view change and innovation? And this is a big deal in Appalachia because I think that there is a particular worldview Appalachians have, particularly like, you know, here in Carter County and the Tri-Cities, even in, the, in my own family, I hear these kind of phrases. And I think there's a distrust of innovation that's in this culture. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think I don't know if it's so much just a distrust of innovation, but I think there's more of a trust for something established, something tried and true. Um, and something when something new comes along or new technology or something, it's I think there's a hesitancy to see is it going to pan out before I bank on it or is this going to work before I, I, I put any stock into it. So I think there's definitely the, the idea of well the, the wheel's not broke so so don't fix it right um, and, and and so I think there's just this uh, huge value on tried and true and, and established that that any innovation kind of just falls by the wayside. Yeah, that phrase you just used, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that mm-hmm. is a regular, repeated phrase in this culture, yeah. in this context. Another one that I hear people Which sometimes say, I like to use in like uh, leadership meetings, and I'll make the comment of, well, let's break it and rebuild it better. Um, but no one likes that one. <laughs> no, 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 that's not popular. Uh, another one I will hear is like, say it's new technology like... Um, a new type of car, like an electric car, you know, you're going to have a real hard time selling that in Appalachia because here's what people will say if it's a first gen. They'll say, let's wait till they get all the bugs worked out. You ever mm-hmm. heard that phrase? Like, mm-hmm. Let's let's wait till all the bugs are worked out. What do they mean when they say that? Yeah, let everybody else deal with it and get it kinked out to where it's running and it's running smooth and, and they, can, they can do it and it works well. I've actually had people use that phrase for leadership initiatives I've tried here. Mm-hmm. Where, like, for example, missional community, and I think, Brent, you and I have talked about this. You know, I had a member say one time, I said, hey, why don't you sign up for a missional community? And before I, I want to wait till you get all the kinks worked out. That's literally <laughs> what they told to me. Told me. Uh, so you say missional community, you mean a small group for any listener? Yeah, no, not exactly. Well, it's explain form that. Of explain, a that. explain that. Because <laughs> no, and here's yeah. why I say this. Explain that for a listener. They hear missional group. They're not going to know what you're. Talking yeah. About. So let me kind of back up and say this. Yes, it is a form of a small group. So if we were to think about this in terms of uh, discipleship or small group ministry, and by the way, I think we're going to do a whole episode on small groups and discipleship in the near future. But here's a little sneak peek, right? A little, little sneak peek. So. Mm-hmm. You have many kinds of small groups, right? You have open small groups and you have closed small groups. So a closed small group at a certain point will not admit new people to come into that group. Open small groups take new people at any time. So you got these two categories. 
Then you come down from there, and you got more different kinds of categories for small groups. Sunday school is a form of small group ministry. Uh, now, granted, they're supposed to be open, but as time passes, generally they become closed. And we'll talk about that when we do the small group episode when stagnation occurs. Uh, in addition to that, you've got missional communities, which they're trying to, they're aspiring to live up to that core value of being missional we talked about in the previous episode, where they are not just functioning on a church campus. They are trying to take the Great Commission seriously, get off campus, be on campus, be in homes, be in the community just as much, and be kind of, where are the people that are far from God, how do we find them, and how do we rub elbows with them, uh, and have an impact that way, instead of kind of sitting back and, and waiting for them to come to us. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a significant difference there. You know, in the Sunday School model, I'm not knocking it, it has great benefit in many levels, but the weakness of a Sunday School model is that you know, it's 2019, and... No, it's not 20. Sorry, it's 2020. It's been 2020 for two or three weeks. <laughs> you may still be in 2019, <sighs> but... Uh, you know, I, we had one I podcast can't. where I was living in the future. Now I'm living in the past. <laughs> I, I can't get my day straight. Uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, the idea that a lost person is going to get up an hour before worship service and, you know, go into our territory, you know... And, and sit in a Sunday school class, I, I kind of question that at a personal level. And I know, like, I probably got Southern Baptists right now that are, like, tearing their shirts off, saying, no, Sunday school is the primary outreach ring of the church. I, I question, at this point and this juncture, you know, you look at the history of Sunday school, uh, it, it has definitely been used in a mighty way in the past to bring people in. But now, I think people are a little more skeptical of institutional rigid things and and uh, Sunday and Sunday school is helpful, but missional communities provide a little bit more fluidity and they provide a little bit more engagement off the church campus. That's probably the best way I can describe them. Brent, did I leave anything out? Well, no, I think it's mildly sufficient. Mildly sufficient, good. <laughs> the real well, question is, did you get the kinks worked out? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> nope, still didn't get the kinks worked out. <laughs> We're still working on it. So further. For the record, working kinks out of a missional community is incredibly difficult. It is. It is very difficult. But see, but here, here's where we get at, though, is Sunday school is tried and true. The kinks are worked out, so to say, in many people's mind. Right. Um, and so I'm going to stick to this model as opposed to a missional group or a small group because that's still kind of new. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not been fully developed, so to say, here in Appalachian culture. Well, and you're hitting at something that I've thought in my mind, and now I'm going to share this on this podcast. So first time ever, I think I've voiced this audibly, but um, some of us (laughs) are just not going to change at a core value level. And 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 I don't, that doesn't make people necessarily villains or bad guys, but they're just, they're not going to shift. You know, if they have done Sunday school for 75 years, and they're 70, you know, 76, 77 years old or whatever. I don't expect them to sign up for a missional community. <laughs> I just don't. Now, there can be some missional aspects injected into Sunday school to maybe get it back to the original hope, but the, the weaknesses of Sunday school, in many ways, were never worked out. You know what I mean? At some level. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was probably more functional in the past, but particularly now, I think those, those kinks have become more pronounced. 
And I, I think that in church revitalization, this is where I'm at, and this is my core value. It's a both and solution. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's going to have to be, yes, we're going to have Sunday school and time and a place and space for that, for people that hold those core values. But in addition, we're also going to have a place and a space for people that don't hold that same core value because they're still all God's people, even if they're not going to change on that particular core value. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yes. So. All right. Uh, I don't remember where we were prior to this discussion, I think quite honestly. Were, well, I think you were just kind of stating what a lot of people probably think about, okay. you know, Sorry. at a core value level, and then how we respond to that, you know, as pastors and leaders. You know what I mean? Like, how are we going to respond? So, um, like, closing thought here, you know, it, it core values will emerge. Sometimes as a pastor, you, will, you can get at them. It takes time. Sometimes people will not share their true core values with them until there's a level of trust established, mm-hmm. until you've been there for a while. You know, you may be able to sort suss out the value system of a church based on some exteriors and things. I think core values takes a little longer, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's it's easy to see early on the, the behaviors of the church very quickly. But then as you dive in, you get to see the things that people value, right, their, their core values. But oftentimes, I think one of the things that's hard is you can see the core values that people have, especially within the church body, but what is the belief that is driving that? Because sometimes I, it, that is just not as clear. Uh, there are things that people value and think, oh, man, this person really values um, teaching and doctrine, and, 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 and the assumption may be, oh, it's because of the love of Jesus or this, or that. and it may be because just a simple pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. There, there's not a desire to know Jesus more. And so that getting to that, that belief is much harder and sometimes can, can really affect, it affects our values, clearly, but, but it, may, it may be a, a false belief that is affecting the value. Yes. Um, anything else to add, guys, before we close this episode out? I don't think so. All right. But I think it's evident we know how you feel about Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> I teach and Sunday I, school. I, I, think I we, have a Sunday school class. So All right. I have a Sunday school class. And so I, don't, yeah. don't go off this. You know, everybody's going to leave these episodes saying he hates altar calls in Sunday school. Well, that's not That's not true. <laughs> so I, I just believe that, you know, you have to, I believe in the both-and solution. All right. But I think we do need to have a, a podcast in the future about uh, about some of those things. Yeah, I think it would be worth our time, so keep keep posted. I, I'd like to bring in our friend Chris Shumay, who also is, did a lot of study on discipleship, because this issue of um, you know small groups and all that falls a little bit in the discipleship category, you know what I mean? And, and so we'll, we'll have him on, and, and how we can use small groups and all that to, to be both missional and bring people along. So, All right, well, thank you for joining us this time. Uh, catch us again next week, and we hope you all have a great day. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.